So we're going to look uh, this morning at the 23rd Psalm, uh, really uh, probably the most familiar passage uh, in the Old Testament anyway, uh, maybe in in the whole of the Bible. Uh, This week uh, on Friday, uh, Tiffany and I were were talking, and uh, one of the things that I kind of concluded was uh, we're going to wreck the summer schedule on the Psalms. We're going to do two weeks on the 23rd Psalm. And because um, and, and, you'll see in just a few minutes that I'm really not going to preach a sermon on this this morning. It's just going to be a lot of random thoughts <laughs> So uh, that uh, are, uh, uh, yeah, hopefully related to the Bible. Um, and then um, that's my prayer, and I hope you're praying that as well. Uh, but the other thing that she and I talked about was she asked me if I would address this morning, if I plan to address this morning, uh, the issues that are going on in our country. And I do want to take just a minute uh, to say a couple of things about that. Um, uh, uh, and, and, and let me begin uh, by saying this morning that I am only a pastor, uh, and I don't know a lot, and there is much about what has happened in the last week that I do not understand, and I certainly don't have um, anything um, quick and easy to say, and uh, that should be good news to you because those who are quick to speak uh, in situations like this probably you shouldn't listen to. Um, Here's the only thing, one of the things that's great about worship, and one of the things that I love about worship, and one of the reasons why we take time every week to confess our sins together, uh, to sing together, uh, to read the creeds sometimes together, to read the Bible together, is because, not just because it unpacks for us and expresses to us the powerful truth of the gospel and the wonder and and, and the value of our God and, and, and how terrific that is and wonderful that is, it's also an expression of unity centered upon what is true. So that when I look upon this congregation and I uh, see a lot of rowdiness, I see, uh, and not just because your kids are in here, but I, I see a lot of rowdy hearts and I see a lot of fear, I see a lot of anxiety, I see a lot of strong opinions. I see people from different countries and cultures and races and backgrounds, political understandings, all of those things. And so when we come together and we speak together with one voice centering around, these are the things that we agree upon, uh, the truth of the gospel, the majesty and glory of God is a great and wonderful thing. And so, as in light of that, I thought, what, what could you say this morning uh, to our congregation uh, that I know is absolutely 100% eternally and universally true? To a group of people so diverse. Well, here's, here's what I, I know to be true this morning. Uh, I know... As we will see in a few minutes, that we live and we have always lived. And while you are drawing breath in this body, we live in the valley of the shadow of death. We tend to think of the 23rd Psalm 
and that verse as dealing with people on their deathbed. But until uh, Jesus comes back, and until we are with him forever, we live in the valley of the shadow of death. So in light of that, then, what can be absolutely true, and what is a prophetic word we could hear and something uh, that would help us deal with what we've seen this week? Well, this is one thing that I know to be absolutely true, and one thing that I know that uh, uh, prophetically uh, we need to think about a little bit more probably than we do. Uh, The person that is sitting in front of you or next to you, uh, the person with whom you disagree, the person uh, that you're very different from, um, is not an idiot. They might be wrong, but one thing is certainly true that the gospel informs us is, is that every human being on this planet is created in the image of God and as such has all the dignity and worth and value and majesty and wonder that comes with being created in the image of God. And as a result of that, as a result of the truth that that uh, uh, is, is presented to us in the gospel, uh, we have a lot in common with the person with whom we differ the most. In fact, some of the most important things imaginable unite us as human beings. We are all created in the image of God, and we are all living in the land of the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death. And we all need redeeming. We are all sinners. And we are all broken. And without the intervention and the love and the power of the grace of God demonstrated to us in Jesus Christ, um, we uh, will reside eternally in the valley of the shadow of death. And so, so the, the thing that I want to urge us to think about as we think about these things and as we, you can't escape it, it's ubiquitous, it's everywhere, wherever you go, there is uh, talk of this, is uh, wherever you are and whoever you are with, uh, the person who seems so different from you, um, who seems so uh, otherworldly, actually Uh, has much in common with you. We know, we read, that the terminal point in history is men and women, boys and girls, from every language and tribe and nation united in Jesus Christ. And that is where the gospel takes us. That's the heart of God. That is his desire. And that is his answer to the brokenness and the darkness that drives so much of what our lives are like. And so I urge you uh, this afternoon, when you're tempted to hate, when you're tempted to draw conclusions about someone else because of the color of their skin or um, the type of uniform that they're wearing or 
any of those things is to remember that they are created in the image of God, just as you are, and are entitled to all the dignity, uh, accountability, uh, and uh, honor uh, that any one of us created in the image of God deserves. And so in light of that, before we dive into the scriptures, let's just take a minute to pray. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, um, we thank you uh, that uh, you became uh, something that you weren't uh, to redeem uh, people like us. You took on flesh uh, and you came to your own and your own received you not. And yet, Lord, to those who did receive you, you gave all of those, regardless of background or race or politics or whatever, uh, the rights and the privilege to be your sons. We thank you for that truth today. And Lord, we pray today for uh, a, a gospel understanding and a hope rooted in reconciliation won for us by the death of our good shepherd, that you would reorient our hearts and our thoughts. Uh, but above all, I want to pray that you would deliver us from hopeless fear and anxiety and be the light uh, in the darkness uh, that we so often stumble around in. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So let me read to you the 23rd Psalm. It's printed in the bulletin. We're going to read it from the King James. Um, and uh, it's going to be also up on uh, the, uh, the screens behind me. This is, the, this is God's Word. And um, we should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So this is the 23rd Psalm, such a familiar and and heartening and wonderful psalm. One of the things that you note about this, if you want to go to the uh, the authoritative source of all information about this, if you want to look on Wikipedia and you look in the 23rd Psalm, uh, you'll learn a lot about this. One of the things that you'll learn about this is uh, people as different as uh, Bach and um, um, Duke Ellington and... One of the Marleys, not the ones on uh, A Christmas Carol, but the ones from Jamaica, uh, have, have all recorded the 23rd Psalm. There's a whole list of them. It's amazing. It's very, uh, very well thought of. Now, in our culture, and in, in, in America, and, and for many of us, uh, the 23rd Psalm, we often associate it with funerals or with memorial services. Ironically, that's a recent development. 
Uh, if you look at liturgies and you look at prayer books from uh, centuries past, one of the things that you notice that the 23rd Psalm doesn't appear in, in the Book of Common Prayer and the liturgy for, uh, uh, for funerals until after 1928. And so it was not originally thought of as one of these things that we always uh, read like uh, or use in, in, uh, uh, in a situation like that. So I think it's, it's worth our thinking about and just kind of unpacking this and, 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 and getting into this this morning. When, when you, one of the things that I struggle with when I come at, at preaching on, on Psalm 23 is uh, it's not unlike the feeling that I have every year at Christmas and Easter where you've been preaching uh, an Easter sermon or a Christmas sermon for 33 years and you find the pressure to have to come up to say something new and different and exciting uh, that no one's ever heard of before. Uh, about this particular event or this particular text. And so it is, it is somewhat a, a, a challenging thing for us to, to look at this this morning and to come at something that we are uh, very familiar with. And yet, I do think that it is uh, one of the reasons why it is so familiar to us uh, is because it's so powerful. So powerful. Uh, Becky, put, put my notes up. So, one of the things that I think about this, and one of the things that, that this psalm does for me is it's the power of simple words to bring reality to bear uh, in one's life. I mean, think about your life and think about the reality of what it's, what it's like when you are overwhelmed with stress and fear and anxiety, uh, when you're stuck in grief and you're stuck in hopelessness, just to hear these words echo in your heart and mind, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Uh, one of the things that I thought of this morning is, you know, one of, it, it, it's, it's, so, it's so interesting that just hearing those words, being reminded of that spirit-empowered truth, has the uh, ability to kind of reorient and change and, and, and redirect the way I'm thinking, the way I'm feeling, to the, the ability to give me some sense of hope in the midst of darkness. I, I wondered if this morning if... Um, if as soon, when you came in uh, this morning, if we gave you a bulletin as well as a blood pressure cuff, and uh, we took your blood pressure when you came in, and many of you are probably in stroke territory, and then uh, we say the words, the Lord is my shepherd, and hear and see and feel the reality of that, because it's true. It's real. It has power to reorient us to redirect us to exactly what's true. And this is so real and true for us, uh, especially when we're bound up in anxiety and fear. And uh, uh, that's, that's certainly true for us. I, I took this quote here from um, uh, Marilyn Robinson. She gave a, a, a talk about fear a couple of years ago. And here's a, a, an excerpt from that. She says, however, my thesis is always the same. And it's very simply stated, though it has two parts. First, contemporary America is full of fear. Now, I don't know if that's unique. I don't know if that's different. Uh, but it is one thing that I know to be absolutely true, is that we are an anxious and fearful people. Uh, and second, and this is the one that is alarming, is that fear is not a Christian habit of mind. Um, for many of us, you don't want to hear that because fear is a constant companion, one that you've grown accustomed to, one that you've grown comfortable with, 
who actually in some ways may feel like a friend. Isn't that weird how that works? But we cannot read the scriptures and we cannot read the gospel. We cannot hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And we cannot read that the Lord is our good shepherd without hearing his words saying to us, don't be afraid. Fear not. As children, we learn to say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. We learn that after his resurrection, right? Isn't that the next one? The next word? I think that's the next word. Yes, resurrection. Jesus told his disciples, Lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. Christ is a gracious, abiding presence in all reality. And in him, history will finally be resolved. And so here's one of the things that you have to see about that. That is wherever you are, whatever valley you are in, whatever peak you are in, whatever quiet stream you are by, whatever great pasture you are residing in, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, there is no place in this world, there is no place... Uh, in your life, there is no place you can go where the shepherd is not with you. It does not matter if you are in the deepest, darkest valley of the shadow of death. It does not matter if you are at the table with the richest affair. The one thing that is true to the believer, the one thing that is true for the church, the one thing that is true for his flock is that the shepherd is always with us. And so as a result of that, the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep is never absent, never sleeps, is always fully present uh, to his sheep. And so one of the things that we think about this is we so often treat Jesus, we so often treat him as this historical figure, and we are right to remember his earthly ministry, but we are wrong to forget that that earthly ministry continues today in his very real, spiritual, abiding, loving, gracious, and strong presence as my good shepherd right here, right now, today. These are larger and more embracing terms than contemporary Christianity is in the habit of using. But we are taught that Christ was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The present tense here is to be noted, right? This is ongoing, present reality, in time and in space, Uh, In July, in Richmond, Virginia, in 2016, John's first letter proclaims the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. We as Christians cannot think of Christ as isolated in space or time if we really do not accept the authority of our own text, nor can we imagine that this life on earth is our only life, our primary life. What, what a, uh, and you know it's true. You know it's true. As Christians, we are to believe that we are to fear not the death of our bodies, but the loss of our souls. One of those, one of those tough, tough sayings of, of the gospel to us, isn't it? That, that this is what we were made for, and that, yes, our shepherd walks with us, and he meets our physical and and present needs in great and magnificent ways. But this life, though we love it so much, is not our primary life. 
and that the fear that we have that is built around so much of what our life is today, right here, right now, uh, is time and energy and anxiety and fear that is spent upon something that is passing away. That our primary life is our lives hid in Christ with God in eternity. And that's why it's important for us as you look at this and you, you see this and you read this text to hear these words that he says to us that he restores our souls. I mean, you cannot read this text, you cannot see this psalm, you cannot hear these words without seeing and understanding and getting a glimpse and getting a taste of what that restoration, that, that sense of hope, that sense of provision, uh, and that sense of the wonder of following the Good Shepherd is to us. Next slide, please, Becky. So one of the things that makes this psalm so powerful is, is note it, its personal nature. And it's important when you read it to, to take note of the pronouns that are in it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so one of the things that you have to note about this, and this is one of the things that's so important, and particularly important for the spiritual leaders of this church, the people who haven't learned anything new about God in 15 years, because they know it all. One of the things that is so powerful about this psalm is that when you read it, you have the sense that it is personal. It's almost peeking into David's spiritual journal uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he's writing about the overflow of what his life with God is like, the, the good shepherd who has done all these wonderful and great things for him. And yet one of the things that we note about this is he begins this psalm by talking about God. He's my shepherd. He, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me. And, and then he changes, right, to speak to God. Listen, listen. Speaking about God is great. But if you speak about God too much without speaking to, uh, speaking about God too much without speaking to Him, we often get off the rails. Because the fact is, when, when we say that God is our provider, when we say that He is our good shepherd, it should lead us not just to say, let me show you how I know that and I can say that. It should lead us to say thank you. It should lead us to speak back to Him. And so as David describes this God who is his great shepherd, who is his loving shepherd, who is the shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep, he cannot help but turn to Him and speak to Him. Because it is an intimate, personal, loving thing that this God who is the good shepherd is not far removed but is with him and he knows him personally. He knows his sheep by their name and, and he knows each one of their brokennesses and their heart, their heartbreaks and, and their sins and their struggles and their difficulties. So uh, John Piper says this, why does David switch from he to you precisely at verse 4? Verse 4 says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. 
Why didn't he just go on to say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. I think the switch to the more intimate you, precisely when he enters the valley of the shadow of death, is a universal experience among God's people. Indeed, among all men in one form or another. The crises of life draw us closer to God. We are more prone to talk about God when we are in the green pasture And more prone to cry out to God when we enter some fearful ravine. You know that's true. Nothing could be more self-evident about our lives together. One of the things about this psalm, too, that may, you may struggle with, and one of the things that you may doubt is when we read it, we say, the Lord is our shepherd, I shall not want. And we think, well... I can't imagine what that existence would be like. I want all the time. Even when I'm beside the green pastures and beside the still waters, I want. And for no other reason than I want it to stay that way. <laughs> I don't want to leave. I want it to be like that. I, I, I want or I want the grass sometimes to be a little greener or a little sweeter and the water to be a little quieter or a little louder, right? Well, what is, what is it that he's, he's talking about that? Well, what he means there is, is that what happens to us is not that we live a life without desire or full contentment. What it means is, is that as we walk through this life, as we do and, 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 and follow him, we have the, the absolute truth, the absolute assertion uh, that our good shepherd will see to it that whatever we need for our good, he will supply. Now, you may debate that and you may have a big disagreement with the shepherd. He may not be providing in the way in which you think is appropriate, but what this psalm trumpets to us and what the gospel trumpets to us is, is that our good shepherd knows us and he gives us what we need. Wherever we are, in whatever circumstance we may be, we can trust him to know that he will provide for us. I will not like anything that the sovereign shepherd knows I need. And even when I walk through the valley of the shadow, One of the things that we have to see about that, one of the things we may forget is that you get into the valley, you're not supposed to be in the valley of the shadow of death, that, 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 that you're, that the normal life that you're supposed to lead is, is by the still waters and in the green pastures, when in fact what the psalm makes very clear is you don't wander into the valley of the shadow of death, you're led into the valley of the shadow of death. The shepherd takes you there, the path of righteousness passes through the valley of the shadow of death. And so what we know about that is wherever we go or whatever situation we are in, wherever the the shadow is cast upon us, we are there because we are with our shepherd. There is no place, no dark place, no deep place that you can be that Jesus Christ is not there. He is with you. He leads you. And in fact, if he has to, he carries you through the valley of the shadow of death. And so there is no place, no situation that we may find ourselves in that suddenly we are bereft, we are away from, we are out of his care. The shepherd never leaves the sheep. He lays down his life for his sheep. And no one knows the valley of the shadow of death better than the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. So wherever you go, whatever experience you have, Whatever deep thing goes on in your body or in your soul or in your house or or in your life, the fact is the shepherd is there. He is caring for you and providing for you. And that is the one thing that is 
always true for us, always real for us, always present with us. Next slide, please, Becky. So one of the things that you have, you have to see about this is, is that, that he leads me through the valley of the shadow. He leads me through there to take me to his house, to take me to the place where there's feasting, to take me where he has, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and where I am, you will be. That's what he's taking us. And so as he leads us through the valley of the shadow, as he takes us through that, the hope and the trust that I have is not just that I'm going to escape, but that he is actually leading me home to a better place. Not a better place. That's wrong. To the best place. Years ago, um, I got a harebrained idea that I'd never been to Maine, and I wanted to take my kids while they were still little and interested in being with me to Maine. And so, without much ado, I plotted out a trip and decided what we were going to do. I did a wedding on a Saturday afternoon. We got in the car and we drove to Maine. Well, we started to drive to Maine. We had reservations in a day's end just north of Baltimore. Got there, they sold our reservation out from under us. It's 10 o'clock at night. It's dark. And though we're not in the valley of the shadow of death, there was a lot of death in our van <laughs> in the form of murder. <laughs> and my kids will, will still tell you about what that was like. And so I remember grabbing the steering wheel, pulling out of the parking lot of the days in, getting back on Interstate 95 and thinking, can I do this? Can I drive the rest of the night? Can we do this without killing each other? Can we do this without being on the morning news? Can we, can, can we pull this off? So as we're driving down the road, I'm like, I just don't think, God, you gotta help us. You gotta help me. You gotta help me not kill anybody and you gotta help me figure out what we're gonna do. And so we're driving along and we see a sign almost to Delaware that says there's a hotel that has a vacancy. And so we pull in and I go up to the office, but it's not an office. It's a window with a thick plexiglass thing with a guy sitting behind it. And I walk up to him and I'm like, I need a room. And he's like, well, I've got one room left. And it's a a room with a king-size bed. And so I slide my credit card under the window and said, we take it. And so we unloaded a few things out of our van, walked into the room, and all five of us crawled into the king-size bed. And we made a memory. (laughs) And so as you imagine, that morning as I'm trying to find the coffee and trying to get ourselves back on the road, there is a sense in the van that this is a mistake. That should we turn, why don't we turn around and go back to Richmond? Things are bad. Really bad. But you see, I'd had this vision of being in the fog, beside a body of water, sitting with my children at a uh, picnic table, eating a lobster. (laughs) And I was not going to give up on that compelling vision. And so that afternoon when we finally rolled in and we got to a place where we could sit in the fog 
and eat a lobster, my 11-year-old son looked at me and said, Dad, this is awesome. Will you say that to Jesus? When he takes you through the valley of the shadow and he sits you at at his table and he calls you by name and he tells you he loves you and you can look back and see that path that he led you through and those difficulties and those harsh and hard times and those uncertain times and those anxious times and you know that he died to lead you and to take you through the valley of the shadow of death to take you to the best place. That's our hope. Today, I need to repent of thinking that other things are what will deliver me from the land of death and dying. Today, we as a people need to repent of believing that this life is really the one that counts. And that's all there is. And we all need to repent of believing that our shepherd does not love us, does not know us, does not care for us, does not provide for us. Let's pray. Lord, we uh, come to you today and I confess and repent of... uh, Questioning uh, your goodness, questioning your shepherding care and power. I come to you today and think that um, my role in this world is just to rest some sort of sense that I am in the green pastures and beside the still waters and that I want to hold on to that. And yet your heart is to take me to the best place. Lord, make us grateful and thankful, for, but, but humbly so, when we are in the green pastures and beside the still waters. At the same time, Lord, I pray uh, that you will give us hope and faith and trust in the darkness as you lead us out of this land, not of the living, but this land of the dying, uh, to our home with you. Lord, I want to pray today specifically for um, people in this room who feel in their bodies and in their health the very real shadow of death. I pray that the fact that you have already gone there and come out on the other side, that you are providing, that you are the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep, would give hope in the midst of that suffering, pain, and difficulty. I pray today, Lord, for those of us who insist uh, that our fear and our anxiety is fully warranted and that, in fact, we prefer that to walking with the shepherd as he is our light through the darkness. I pray today, too, Lord, for uh, those of us uh, who are looking for any shepherd other than you, 
the one true and good shepherd, that you would give us, well, just the sense of how valuable your shepherding is of us. And Lord, I pray today for those of us who talk about you a lot, that you would humble us to talk to you. Lord, you're so good to be in your flock. It's so good to be known by you. None of these things that we confess and that we repent of are things that surprise you or move you away from us. In fact, it only heightens your care, your concern, and your provision for us. So help us to take joy in that today. Deliver us from the fear and the overwhelming uh, anxiety that clinging to the things of this world and this life give to us. Help us, we pray today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.